0: The recent expansion of the London Ultra Low Emission Zone, or ULES, has sparked outrage among tradespeople who are already enduring considerable cost pressures when operating in the capital. In this, the latest episode of Professional Builders Podcast, we'll be discussing the impact of the mayoral initiative on builders and the merchant sector. I'm Lee Jones, editor of Professional Builder Magazine, and I'm joined by Paul Davies, editor of Professional Builders Merchant.
1: Over to you, Paul. Thanks, Lee. So, the Builders' Merchants' Federation, the BMF, has been raising concerns about the effect the ULES expansion might have on its merchant members' customers, SME tradespeople, as well as the impact on sales it could have at trade counters within the new boundary. Not only that, but it is also argued that property owners within the zone may even find it more difficult to source builders. So, we spoke with Brett Amphlett, Policy and Public Affairs Manager at the Trade Association to hear the BMS view.
2: In our representations, we've made a number of points, both from the point of view of the merchants, but also the customers of merchants. So, for example, for merchants, we question the question of displacement, the idea that if you uh, go into London, the outer London boroughs to buy stuff, why would you as a tradesman? So that the loss of sales from a merchant on the outer London boroughs finding a merchant outside London? Why even bother coming in to get stuff and have to pay £12.50 a day for it? There was also the question there of your suppliers from elsewhere, manufacturers from elsewhere around the country, perhaps not familiar with it until it's too late, suddenly finding out and therefore relaying the costs as you can imagine, inflationary down the supply chain. And then, of course, how do your staff get to work? ASDA, for example had been doing a lot more work, so he had a bit more muscle power than us, but made the point that staff tend to be on lower incomes, have to use cars rather than public transport if they're starting. And, of course, merchants opening at 7.30 in the morning, sometimes unreliable public services. So we're beginning to start quantifying where we can, what the cost is both to the merchant and to the customer of the merchant.
1: That's an ongoing process, obviously. Will, will there be any formal reporting on that? Will you be able to give any specific examples? And even though, as you say, it's early stages, have you actually had any specific comment from, uh, from the guys out there, the merchants out there?
2: Uh, yes, we have. One of the significant uh, size merchants in the Outer London Boroughs has done a survey and I've got the results. The kind of remarks given by customers of this mid-sized regional merchant were very much in tune with what we'd argued. So there's an awkward conversation between a a builder, you know, a a roofer or what have you, doing extension or what have you, going back to their customer to say, "Mm, uh, "Okay, I need to renegotiate my price because I'm now being hit by so much a day. Or, of course, the flip side to that is that because of the general cost of living pressures, end customers perhaps deferring or cancelling any projects they might have in mind. Those are the kinds of uh, immediate financial squeezes. And it's all inflationary. Everyone's passing everyone's cost on.
0: Could that have an impact on efforts to increase the existing housing stock? There? Do you think tradespeople will just vote with their vans and, and not bother undertaking work within the ULEZ zone as well as price increases?
2: That is a suspicion that we voiced to the Mayor and Transport for London officials over in City Hall. There is already some anecdotal remarks passed back to merchants that they're just not going to bother pricing up work. of course, again, the flip side is it does of course diminish the market in the outer London boroughs of available builders and other trades for you and I and paul as a you know as a, as a customer, you think well, certain builders aren't even going to bother pitching and pricing for work because they just can't be bothered. It's not an unreasonable thinking for someone who's got, uh, you know, all sorts of prices on the back of the inflationary cost price squeezes that we've seen over the last couple of years since COVID.
1: Looking in terms of some of the sort of potential mitigations and, and, and solutions, given that the scheme is in place, What's the the feedback from from members in terms of things like the the, the Van Scrappage scheme?
2: We made the argument before it started that the Scrappage scheme, for which the mayor, I think in 2017 or 18, was quite cute about trying to make a national. Because you'll remember London is only behind in the vanguard of Birmingham and other places that have had clean air zones. And the kind of arguments we were using then about a more generous scrappage scheme, uh, and the mayor did actually put together some national proposals, um, you know him and his fellow mayors around the country, uh, many of whom I meet on the back of the party conferences that i 've just come back from um, but on this uh, but on, on this particular year, uh, we made the point that the, the, the scrappage and we support the mayor we said to the mayor, we support you in trying to." Uh, to crowbar out of Whitehall more money for a more generous scheme. Obviously, largely it's aimed at private motoring rather than commercial vehicles, although there is a scrappy scheme for that. But since the expansion of the ULES has taken place, there is a debate to be had within the BMF, and we, we will probably have it at our next transport forum, is the question of, is it better to scrap the vehicle or retrofit it? Now, the grants, the mayor did respond and make the financial payment uh, more attractive from 5,000 to 6,000 and increased the commercial one to 9,000 in certain circumstances. But there is a debate to be had because, you see, again, taking a step back, let's say um, Transport for London did some modelling for the mayor to forecast, and I think if I remember correctly, they said that... Based on uh, data from DBLA and so on, that about 30,000 vehicles in the outer London boroughs would not be compliant. And so I said then, well, Auto Trader magazine did a survey every now and again. It showed that on a given day, available on their online marketplace, there were only 5,200, however many it was, vans, small vans, uh, available for sale in London and the southeast. My central message to the mayor and staff and particularly coming off the back of the Labour Party conference was you were trying to force a market in second hand that was not dynamic enough to respond to demand. So if you say you are a builder or a glazier or whatever, a, a jobbing tradesman, even if you did have the wherewithal to do it, you wouldn't necessarily be able to find a replacement vehicle if you scrapped your current one. So the question had to be, is it better to have your van or what have you, truck off the road for a a week or so, having it retrofitted, so at least you get it back, rather than scrap your existing one, and even if you do have the financial wherewithal to do it, and wait until you can get a new one.
0: The November edition of Professional Builder is now available from Builders Merchant Trade Counters and online at www.probuildermag.co.uk. Where you can also sign up to receive every issue via email What about electric vehicles then they they're quite obviously compliant to, to any clean air zone and Are any of your members looking at going down the battery electric route?
2: Well, a number of our merchant members uh, will, will will be doing that i mean clearly. Uh, that lends itself perhaps more to plumbing and heating because you know urgent delivery of you know bits and pieces. Uh clearly it's not relevant to commercial vehicles of of a certain tonnage. Well one of the pushbacks that the Deputy Mayor Shirley Rodriguez in her first letter to us was saying about e cargo bikes and to which I'm afraid I was a bit sarcastic back to her and said, you know, (laughs) that might be okay if you're working for Deliveroo or you're delivering urgent medical supplies from Boots to, you know, someone's prescription. But not if you're, you know, most people do not go and fill up their car with bricks. You you know, it it is a delivery to side option that serves both the markets, whether that's, uh, you know, new build or property RMI. It is a conversation that we're beginning to have about commercial vehicles, uh, the bigger vans and the HGV. But you see, you know from the Prime Minister's announcement on the, in the Downing Street briefing room three weeks ago, pushing back the date by which the ban on new petrol and diesel vans and cars from 2030 to 2035. Now, we took part in that consultation. and We made a whole lot of points, which, of course, along with everyone else, slightly different to what the politicians think and they delayed it now of course that caused all sorts of sound fury and outrage but the one thing that was missing and that is the ban on new diesel HGVs, which on current trajectory is by 2035 or for the over 26 ton lorries is for 2040 because you know, until Elon Musk invents a battery that is not as heavy as either the blinking lorry itself <laughs> or the load of bricks and girders and insulation and steel lintels and precast concrete that are delivering it is done. So hydrogen is the at the moment, the only option. A number of merchants and manufacturers are going through low carbon fuel. And that's to say HVO and compressed natural gas. So HVO being cooking fat oil to mix with biodiesel, and there are a number of merchants who've done that, Perkins, TG Lines, and others, but that's only an interim step, because it's still only a low carbon solution, it's not a zero carbon. The one piece of good news that has come out over the last year or so is, firstly, Chancellor Sunak, and then later, Chancellor Hunt, the exemption from business rates, if a merchant puts on their premises, solar panels, wind turbines, to generate on-site electricity, Uh, for storage or use so you know you could could use it for charging up your electric vans um, or your sales reps cars Uh, you'll get a business rate holiday till 2035 and that's something that I've been pushing within BMF circles in our sustainability forum that some of you know Giles Bradford chairs but also our transport firm that uh, is chaired by uh, Chris Paul of E.H. Smith so there are moves and I'm trying to help point the way forward for merchants to make considered decisions but there's a lot more policy to come when the government decide which way they're going to go and which way manufacturers are going to say which is the fuel that they're going to pump for.
1: I think yeah I mean p- picking up on on that Brett and the points that you sort of made earlier about uh, discussions about using e-cargo bikes and this that and the other you also see stories in the press about tradespeople having to take the tube to work and this, that and the other. I mean, do, do you think that there's more that, that, that both sort of local administrations and even national government can do sort of specifically to, to, to focus on the needs of the trades and obviously the merchants
2: and the wider supply chain? Uh, it's certainly true. I've seen, you know, coming into this office here today, I get the tube, I get the ordinary train. Uh, you often see lads, you know, with a, uh, either a box on wheels or a, or a heavy rucksack and they're clearly going, you know, carrying a spirit level and and, and going to a job. Um, I mean, so that clearly is a thing uh, rather than using a, a vehicle. I mean, obviously, that's that's better if you're a trade. You don't necessarily need the you need a vehicle. The whole question that uh, not only us, but everyone else, including the Federation of Small Businesses have been made, is how to make public transport more widespread and a proper option. It's all very well banning something, but you've got to improve public transport.
1: But that's part of the issue, isn't it? If, if you get more people off the roads on public transport, you know, the, the issue sort of takes care of itself and, and, and arguably would make life easier for, for trades and merchants and all the rest of it. Now, in many
2: parts of London don't still don't have a tube connection. Uh, you know, people are relying on buses and sometimes taking two or three buses to get to site. Now, okay, there is a crumb of comfort there in that the government have recently decided to cap bus fares at £2, which which is helpful. But there's more to be done to improve the public transport offering if you want to get tradesmen off the road.
0: I mean, some of the solutions you've mentioned there, like HVO, and it's more expensive than white diesel. Um, hydrogen is, is not really practicable at the moment, and electric vehicles are twice the price sometimes of a diesel one. All of that is not going to stop or help the, the additional costs cascading down the supply chain, is it,
2: really? Now, I mean, on HVO, we did make representations, and we probably will again soon, to the Treasury. Um, you know, HVO when we wrote, I think, our last lobbying of the Treasury was about April, when it was about 60 pence per litre differential. Now, certain companies are going to do that because they want to burnish their green credentials you know, under their ESG. But nevertheless, it is a cost. And so we've got to try and think about, off the back of the say the Conservative Party conference uh, and the Labour Party conferences, how we make that offer that you really do need to make a low-carbon, fuel more attractive than a, than a white diesel that's for sure now the next question then comes about yes you're right about electricity everyone you know you pick up the papers everyone is grumbling about charge points grid connections but the whole question of there are not enough charge points both on-site and off-road uh, and that is something that is legitimate for us and others to throw rocks at the government to say you do need to coordinate this more because if you're a merchant in a rural or coastal area that your choices to go electric are much much reduced than you are in the big towns and cities.
0: Toolfair and Professional Builder Live is coming to a venue near you in 2024. Check out all the dates for the trade show that puts tradespeople at its heart at Toolfair on info. There's great show deals from some of the biggest brands, live demonstrations and seminars. If that's not enough, then parking and entry is free and you'll get a free bacon roll and professional builder T-shirt into the bag.
1: So, I mean, you, you, you've kind of touched on quite a few of the points of the things that you, you've done. I guess that's the the message really is that the BMF is going to continue trying to represent its members and push the government, push the mayor. Push other areas, you know, around the country as these sort of low emission zones are coming in. It's it's a continual uh, process, I guess, Brett.
2: Uh, well, yes. Um, as I say, I've been doing this particular topic, whether it was clean air zones in in, in cities outside London uh, and ULEZ in London, for you know, best part of five years now. We were we were successful in in combination with others in persuading Leeds, Derby, Nottingham, Southampton, and, and somewhere else, Manchester, I think, not to proceed with a clean air zone. I'm just off on Sunday to Aberdeen to the SNP party conference. Now, in Scotland, they have got a zero-tolerance policy. The, the low-emission zone in Glasgow is exactly that. There is no pay to pollute, like you've got in London. Again, the argument there, and, 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 and Edinburgh, Aberdeen and Dundee will follow, is If you do not comply, you cannot go into Glasgow. You can't pay. So in London, there is actually an intellectual inconsistency that you could throw at the mayor to say, if you're that concerned with air quality, and by the way, we are too, and all my representations, I've made the point, HGV drivers are hard to come by at the best of times. Why would we leave an engine idling in a yard poisoning our drivers? We wouldn't. So, you know, we, we don't want to kill our staff and they, we don't want them to get killed by anybody else, by bad, noxious fumes. But, of course, the, it's also true that unlike a bus or other public service vehicles, merchants aren't stopped, stop, start, stop, start. You know, the transport managers that are employed by merchants efficiently and effectively planning their routes and their drop off points to be able to come back and do another two or three runs in a day. But you can intellectually expose the mayor for allowing people to pay and still pollute. In Scotland, you can't. I mean, ideally, with the air improving over time, clean air zones ought to end. So we, we said to him, given how divisive this has been, there is no shame in delaying this for a year from August to next time. And actually, given how divisive it is, its is, is obviously going to be a part, a main plank of the mayor's election next May, it would be better for you, Mr. Mayor, to delay it and get a fresh mandate from the voters of London on May the 4th or whatever day it is, so that you can then proceed. Now, he didn't listen, and it's in, it's been instituted. And, of course, the question then comes, if we do move to electric vehicles, the question of road congestion still that remains, because this is something that when when Ken Livingston introduced congestion charging, and even now I get occasionally asked that by journalists or, or national papers, that they think that air quality and traffic congestion are the same. They're not. And that's why particulate matter, even if we have electric cars, there are still rubber tyre abrasions on the road. There are still releasing particulate matter 2.5. Uh, and there are still breaking, and that's something that will have to be considered.
0: It it would be a spectacular U-turn if it was suddenly delayed or or replaced, and and it remains to be seen whether anyone will come in to do that, but that's what you would like to see then the other areas learning the lessons of London and and doing something differently, basically.
2: Well, we had this with Nottingham. I'll pick Nottingham and Leeds um, because, um, you see, again, I deal with people you wouldn't normally expect. So this coming Monday, I expect to sit in a fringe meeting at the SNP conference, and first bus, stagecoach, and one a National Express. You know they, they are moving to electric buses. So in Aberdeen, the buses run on hydrogen. They've got two hydrogen refuelling stations. The buses run on hydrogen. You know electric buses that are made in Ballymena in Northern Ireland may have heard a Wright bus. Again, former Mayor Boris Johnson made a big play about this. And and so there is there is signs of encouragement in London where the buses are all mostly electric or will soon be electric, and that all helps reduce. But there is still more work to be done. Now, whether more private motorists switch to electric, possibly with more inducements, I'm not sure, especially given that Mr. Sunak's decision three weeks ago to reverse the date, people have put it off. A lot of taxis are electric now, but we need to see more from the politicians and the authorities about where they're going with public transport. So what's the BMF
0: doing to support its members and lobby government on the issue further then?
2: We did write a couple of stroppy letters to the Mayor and have spoken to officials. And again, we've just come off the back of the party conference circuit. We were asked by a number of MPs in the outer London area to tell them what our representations were. We currently are awaiting the replies to the two consultations I mentioned, one about um, the ban on HGVs, 2035, 2040. We'd want to see where the government are on that. On that. Um, we'll be trying to persuade more vehicle manufacturers, so we'll let staff, man, Volvo, you know the names, to begin to bring to market uh, sensible options that merchants consider for uh, modern trucks, uh, and, and lorries um, but we'll be we'll be needling the the mayor and the transport for London because let's say i mean at some point they've got to do their own reporting to say uh, how, how how much fines they've raked in how much noncompliance how, you know when they start getting a load of small claims court so we'll be doing more of that we will be continuing to push the case for the reasons i've mentioned, um, but the ball currently uh lee um, is in the court of the authorities to work out what they do next.
0: The BMF, or Builders Merchants Federation, is the trade association for building materials supply. For more information on how it helps and supports the sector, visit www.bmf.org.uk. Remember, we want builders to be heard. So let us know your thoughts. Has the ULES prompted you to change your working patterns? Have you absorbed the cost or passed it on to the client? If you have an opinion on this or anything else, just open up Voice Memo on your phone and let us know what you're thinking. Then send it to pb at In the meantime, thanks for listening.